well you have. You are now tuned in to Marcus Rays. We just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darnetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, my fantastic Star Wars family? Just another wonderful day in the Star Wars universe. I hope everything is going good on your side of the galaxy. Doing pretty well on mine. Lucasfilm has big plans for the future of Star Wars and this community, but we are kind of in limbo as we are waiting for the next film to be released. So as the studio is developing the next films, what do we have to look forward to in the near future? It will be a series of books and comics that will take us to the High Republic era, which is right up the alley of this show since we focus on the written word of Star Wars. But this series takes place when the Jedi are at the height of their power, 200 and something years before the rule of Darth Sidious. Now, the series got pushed back to 2021 because of stupid COVID-19, but the first chapter of the first novel, Light of the Jedi, has found its way online. Just a tiny teaser of the events yet to come, and it starts with the Senate turning to the Jedi for help. This chapter starts with the disaster and heroic response by the Jedi to save lives and end the crisis. I will put a link in the description to where you can read it if you would like. Now let's get to the quote of this episode. And it comes to us from Desmond Tutu. And he said, hope is being able to see the light despite all of the darkness. And this quote is a direct reflection of what we are living through right now. The world is at one of its darkest times in history. I know that mankind's history is just a record of some of the darkest stuff ever. It just seems that the things that we are drawn to remember are records of the darkest times. And most people don't remember the light that shined through those times. The people that stepped up to make a difference of those times. It was the people that made the changes that gave the world hope. Is it only me that sees that people are the deciding factor of this world? As long as we have hope and people to step out of their comfort zone, that is when the world will change. As Star Wars fans, we have studied hope our whole lives. The whole Star Wars culture is about hope, and the Jedi taught us to be courageous with that hope. If Star Wars fans can get along no matter our differences, then anybody can. And the rest of the world can learn from us. But we must show them by example. Okay, enough with all that. Let's get to the book that we are covering right now. Because this is one of the most intense chapters yet. So let's see what happens. Though he appeared calm on the outside, Scourge's heart was pounding as he mounted the steps to the Emperor's Citadel. He was playing a dangerous game. But there were no other options. Time was the enemy. If they had any hope of getting Revan out of her dungeon alive, they had to act before Nyrus realized Scourge had betrayed her. Soon, maybe tomorrow, maybe even today, Nyrus would begin to wonder about Setchel and Murtaugh's absence. It wouldn't take her long to learn that they had been working with Scourge, and from there, she would easily fill in the blanks. He'd briefly considered approaching one of the other members of the Dark Council, hoping to convince him or her to help him get rid of Nyrus the same way she had used him to eliminate Darth Zedrix. But even if they'd agreed to help him, it would be weeks before they put a plan into place. Like Nyrus, they were too cautious, too afraid to take any action that might put them at risk. The Emperor was the only Sith on all of Drummond Kaas with the will to take the kind of quick and decisive action required. Convincing him that Nyrus was a traitor would be simple enough with the files he'd acquired from Setchel. The trick was making the Emperor believe Scourge had been an unknowing pawn in her plans. T3 had doctored the data disks, removing all evidence of Scourge's part in the conspiracy. Scourge would claim that he came forward as soon as he learned of the plot. But there was no guarantee the Emperor would believe him. Scourge was going to present the evidence in person. If the Emperor suspected he was lying, or if he was simply powerful enough to see the truth, escape would be impossible. 
he was putting himself at great risk for the sake of the cause, something he never would have considered before he met Revan. At the top of the stairs, he was stopped by a pair of Sith soldiers clad in red armor, two of the famed Imperial Guard. An army of elite warriors, the Imperial Guard underwent months of brutal training to transform them into the most disciplined and deadly troops in the Empire. Many didn't survive, but those who did emerged as fanatically loyal zealots willing to sacrifice their lives to defend the Emperor. State your business, one of the guards said, barring his way with a heavy electrostaff. I must see the Emperor immediately. He hadn't known what kind of reaction his bold statement would produce. Mocking laughter or flat refusal were the most likely options. Only those on the Dark Council can speak with the Emperor, the second soldier told him, her tone curt and official. My name is Lord Scourge. I serve Darth Nyrus. I'm here on her behalf. The soldiers looked at each other, and he sensed their uncertainty. The Emperor is in danger. Scourge insisted. I must speak with him. Wait here, the mail guard told him. He disappeared inside the citadel and didn't return for several minutes. The entire time passed in silence. The remaining guard saw no reason to speak to Scourge, and he knew better than to say anything more to her. Simple lies were the most effective, and Scourge had no intention of saying anything more than was absolutely necessary. When the first soldier emerged, he was accompanied by four more of his comrades. All were Sith, and three wore uniforms identical to those of the guards stationed at the door. The fourth was also clad in red armor, but her outfit was more elaborate. I am Captain Yari, she told him. Come with me. They left the original two guards behind as she led him into the citadel. She walked in front of him, while two of the newcomers flanked him. The fourth fell into line directly behind him, so that he was completely surrounded. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. The design of the citadel reminded Scourge of Nyrus's stronghold. Not surprising, given that she had built her edifice in the same style to honor the Emperor. The interior was a virtual maze of corridors with gray and forbidding stone walls, punctuated by heavy wooden doors leading off to antechambers and side rooms. However, where Nyrus lined the halls with statues, busts, and wall hangings glorifying her reputation and achievements, the decor of the citadel was far more utilitarian. Statues were few and far between, and the few splashes of color in the scattered wall hangings were muted by the dim lighting that cast everything in shadow. You are taking me to the Emperor? Scourge asked. You may speak with one of the Emperor's advisors. Unacceptable. I did not come to meet with a servant. The choice is not yours to make, Captain Yari replied brusquely. Scourge stopped in his tracks, causing the soldier walking behind to stumble into him. The Sith Lord angrily shoved him back. In response, the two guards who had been at his side whipped out their electrostaffs. Stop! Captain Yari shouted, and they froze in their tracks. I am a lord of the Sith, Scourge reminded him, 
and an agent of Darth Nyrus. I order you to take me to the Emperor. That is not permitted. These are exceptional circumstances. How so? That is for the Emperor's ears alone. I must speak to him in person. The Emperor does not like to be disturbed. He will want to hear what I have to say. If he fears you have wasted his time, you will be punished, the captain warned. The calm, almost casual way she spoke the simple threat was far more effective than providing gruesome details. But Scourge wasn't about to back down now. It will not be a waste of his time. The captain considered the request, then nodded. As you wish. As she led him down the twisting corridors of the Citadel, Scourge made a mental note of their path. When he and Revan finally struck at the Emperor, they would need to know as much of the layout of the Citadel as possible. Eventually, they turned down a hall that terminated at a pair of large durasteel doors. The throne room lies beyond, Captain Yari told him. There you will find the Emperor. She turned to face him. I will give you one last chance to reconsider. I've made my decision. Then you must proceed alone. I will not violate the sanctity of the throne room. She motioned with her hand, and two of the soldiers stepped forward, one by each of the massive doors. Grunting with exertion, they pushed the doors inward, and they stepped to the side, standing at attention with their backs against the wall just outside the throne room's now open entrance. Scourge expected them to search him, or at least instruct him to turn over his weapons. But Yari and the others simply stood at attention, waiting for him to enter. The fact that they showed no concern over letting an armed Sith Lord speak to the Emperor face to face without any kind of preparation was a testament to the Emperor's unfathomable power. Thinking about that power gave Scourge pause. Like Revan, the Emperor understood the Force in ways Scourge never would. It was possible he experienced the same kinds of visions as the Jedi. It was also possible he could peer into Scourge's mind and instantly know the truth of everything he was saying. Meeting him face to face could be tantamount to suicide. No, Scourge thought. If that were the case, he would have sensed Nyrus's betrayal long ago. As powerful as the Emperor might be, he was not omniscient. He was, however, intelligent and cunning enough to have held on to his throne for over a thousand years, an unprecedented reign among the conniving and cutthroat politics of the Sith. Which meant Scourge would have to be very careful not to say anything that might give him away. Captain Yari and the other guards were still patiently waiting. No doubt they were used to seeing this kind of hesitation in those who were about to meet with the Emperor. <laughs> This chapter begins with Scourge going to see the Emperor. As he approaches the Citadel, two guards stop him. When he tells them that he is there to see the Emperor, they tell him that he can't. When he asks why he can't, they tell him that only the members of the Dark Council may speak with the Emperor. Scourge being the conniving individual that he is, he tells them that he is there on behalf of Nyrus. That's what I'm talking about, just scandalous. So one of the guards goes into the building. As Scourge waits nervously, I think he was scared before he even started out with this task, 
when you are meeting with someone that killed the life on the entire planet, probably the most powerful person in the universe, you better be scared. Finally, the guard returns with a woman named Yari. She is the head of the Emperor's guard. She leads Scourge into the palace. Scourge asks, are you taking me to see the Emperor? Yari tells him that she is taking him to see one of his advisors. Scourge is like, hell no, I need to speak with the Emperor. Captain Yari tells him that the Emperor does not like to be disturbed, but Scourge says that the Emperor will want to hear what he has to say. After a few moments, Yari tells Scourge that he can talk with the Emperor. As they travel down the hallway, Scourge takes a mental note of the Citadel. He must know the layout when Mitra Revan and him attempt their attack. They turn a corner to a large hallway with two giant doors. As they approach the doors, Yari asks Scourge one more time to reconsider. She tells him that the Emperor has feel that you have wasted his time, he will punish you. The more they talk about the Emperor, the more I think Scourge is crazy. When they get to the doors, Yari tells Scourge that's as far as she will go. Okay, if she won't even go in there, I'm not going in there either. If I'm Scourge, I'm not going in there. Scourge hesitates before he enters. Most people probably would. All kinds of different things was going through his head. And that's where we are at. Let's finish the rest of this chapter to see what happens next. Stealing himself. Scourge stepped inside. The throne room was enormous, 20 meters wide and at least 40 meters long, with an arched ceiling that rose 15 meters above. Apart from the throne at the far end, it was virtually empty. The throne sat on an elevated circular pedestal, several meters in diameter. As Scourge walked forward, he noticed that the throne was facing away from him its high back effectively blocking any view of its occupant. After a few more steps, the pedestal swiveled around, turning the throne so that it faced him. And for the first time in his life, Scourge set eyes upon the Emperor. The figure before him appeared unremarkable. The Emperor was clad in unadorned black robes, the raised hood effectively hiding his face. Yet Scourge could feel the power of the dark side emanating from him with such intensity that it caused a faint rippling of the air. The Emperor rose to his feet, and the Durasteel doors swung shut behind Scourge with a booming crash. Scourge's step faltered briefly at the sound, but he continued forward. As he reached the foot of the pedestal, he dropped to one knee, bowing low. His eyes focused on a spot on the ground in front of him. Rise, Lord Scourge, the Emperor told him, and speak your peace. Scourge stood up to address the Sith looming above him. The Emperor had thrown back his hood to reveal his face. His eyes were as black as the void itself. Staring into the hollow darkness of the Emperor's gaze, Scourge's mind flashed back to Nathema, and he shivered at the memory. He tried to speak, but the words stuck in his throat. His mouth was suddenly so dry, he felt as if he might choke. He swallowed hard and coughed, finally bringing up enough saliva to talk. Three years ago, I went to serve Darth Nyrus at your request. I discovered that Darth Cedrix was a traitor. He had allied himself with Separatists to kill Nyrus, and I executed him for his crimes. Your service has been noted. There was something strange about the Emperor's voice. It didn't sound like the voice of a single being. It had an unusual echo and resonance 
almost as if a great multitude were speaking his words in perfect symphony. A grim theory passed unbidden through Scourge's mind. Was it possible all those that had been consumed by the ritual on Nathema still existed in some form within the Emperor himself? Nyrus said he'd devoured them. But what if she was only partially correct? What if he had imprisoned their spirits inside his own corporeal form, slowly feeding on their life energy over a thousand years to keep himself young and strong? Scourge pushed such thoughts away. He needed to focus. One wrong word and the Emperor might see through his lies. I continue to serve Darth Nyrus after Zedrix's death, Scourge explained. And I continued to investigate the Separatists. He paused, waiting for the Emperor to ask what he found. After a few seconds, he realized the inquiry was not coming. I became suspicious of one of Nyrus's advisors, a man named Secho. I turned the focus of my investigation to him, but Secho was careful. He covered his tracks well. It took me until yesterday before I was certain of his guilt. He was also secretly working with the Separatists, and he suffered the same fate as Zedrix. You should speak to Darth Nyrus if you seek to be rewarded for your actions. There was no change in his tone, but the implied threat was clear. This is beneath me, and you are wasting my time. Skirt swallowed hard, his mouth dry once more. That is not why I have come before you. Among Sedgil's effects, I found these data files. He held up the discs. They show that Darth Cedrix was not the only member of the Dark Council to betray you. He was merely sacrificed to keep the involvement of the others secret. Darth Nyrus was also involved in the plot, along with several others. The Emperor had no physical reaction to the revelation. He stayed as still and calm as death itself but the air around Scourge seemed to grow colder. Are you certain of these accusations? I would stake my life on them, my Lord Emperor. You already have. Okay, here comes clue number three. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Scourge felt a shiver trace its way down his spine, and he knew that far more than his life was at risk. The Emperor was no longer a member of the Sith species. His power and immortality had transformed him into a being unique in the galaxy. When he spoke of life and death, it had far deeper meaning than the mere physical existence of the lesser beings that served him. Does Nyrus know you are here? No. I came to you as soon as I deciphered the data on Sedril's discs. There was a long silence and Scourge had the distinct impression that the Emperor was somehow communicating with someone outside the room. A few seconds later, the doors to the throne room opened, and Captain Yari strode in, accompanied by a Sith wearing the same dark robes as the Emperor. They approached Scourge, and the robed Sith held out his hand expectantly. Scourge handed him the discs. Keep Lord Scourge in custody until this matter is settled. Forgive me, Lord Emperor, Scourge said, speaking quickly but trying to keep his tone humble. But Nyris is expecting my return. If I am absent, she will grow suspicious. The Emperor's dark eyes seemed to flicker with annoyance, and Scourge feared he had gone too far. 
the best he could hope for as punishment for his insolence would be a quick and relatively painless death. However, when the Emperor spoke again, it was not to pass judgment on him. You are bold to speak to me in this way, and because you are right, I will reward your initiative this time. When Iris falls, you will be first in line for her seat on the Dark Council. Thank you, Lord Emperor, Skirt said with a bow. If your information proves false, however, you will suffer a fate more terrible than anything you can imagine. As he spoke, the dark circles of his eyes seemed to fill with a swirling red mist. And for a brief instant, the Emperor gave Scourge a glimpse of his true self. Scourge cried out in anguish as the Emperor's mind brushed against his. Then he collapsed to the floor, shaking like a child. The touch lasted less than a second, but in that time, he witnessed indescribable horrors that dwarfed anything the dark side could conjure even in his worst nightmares. And beneath the formless terrors lurked the unbearable void, the pure emptiness of total annihilation. It was over as quickly as it had begun. The awful vision retreating into his subconscious like a repressed memory as Scourge picked himself up off the floor. Neither Captain Yari nor the robed Sith made any move to help him. Come with me, the captain said once he was on his feet. Only then did Scourge notice that the Emperor had retaken his seat on the throne and that the pedestal had spun around to face away from him. The dark-robed Sith stayed behind as Yari led Scourge out of the throne room and into the hall beyond. I see why you tried to talk me out of this. Scourge muttered as they made their way back toward the Citadel's main entrance. You took a great risk, Yari said, though it was hard to tell if she thought him admirable or foolish. But if your information is good, it sounds like you'll be on the Dark Council the next time we meet. What about Nyris? Scourge asked. What will the Emperor do to her? She will be purged by the Imperial Guard, Yari said, along with her entire staff of followers. I'd rather not be there when it happens, Skirt said. When will you make your move? Soon, the captain said. For now, return to Nyris so she doesn't grow suspicious. They had reached the top of the staircase leading down from the Citadel's entrance to the street below. I will tell my people not to harm you, Captain Yari promised before turning away. Just before she disappeared into the Citadel, she added... But when the battle starts, try to stay out of the way, just in case. Okay, first let me start off with Scourge's nuts. The Sith are taught to use their fear. They turn it into anger, then they use that anger to power the dark side. I didn't see Scourge doing any of that at all. The Emperor is a bad dude. How is it described? The dark side rippled off of him. Now if I'm Scourge, I'm going to think twice before I go through with this plan. Not the plan to talk to the Emperor, but the plan to try to take the Emperor out. There's no way I'm going to fight this guy. I don't care what he is going to do. The guard don't even take Scourge's weapon. They just let him take his lightsaber right in with him. If that doesn't tell you how powerful the Emperor is, I don't know what will. The Emperor doesn't even turn around to see who is approaching him. The whole time Scourge is walking up to the throne, the Emperor keeps his back to him. My thought process, a blaster bolt to the back ends it all right then and there. But Scourge finally gets to the throne and the Emperor turns around and Scourge bows to him. Then the Emperor takes off his hood and Scourge sees him. 
Now the emperor is a Sith. I mean Sith as in a species. But if you look up this dude online to find his pictures, he doesn't look like a Sith. In some pictures he is blue looking, other pictures show him looking more like a human. The way it was described to me when I started asking questions was that after he did the ritual on the Thema and he took all the life on that planet into himself, it changed his appearance. So that does make sense because there was a lot of different species on the Thema. So I get where that could have changed his appearance. But when Scourge tries to talk to the Emperor to tell him what's going on, you know, his mouth gets all dry and stuff. Like I said before, this dude isn't to be messed with. The Emperor is something else. So Scourge finally gets the words to come out of his mouth. As he's going through the store, you can tell that the Emperor is getting irritated. He feels that Scourge is wasting his time and what Scourge is saying is beneath his notice. This is until Scourge brings up the plot of some of the members of the Dark Council to destroy the Emperor. He asks Scourge if he was certain of his accusations. Scourge tells him that he would stake his life on it. The Emperor tells him that he already has. But if they are true, Scourge could take Nyrus's place on the Dark Council. Basically, if he's telling the truth, he will be rewarded, and if he's lying, he will be killed. Then the Emperor gave a look that seemed like he was communicating with someone outside of the throne room. So basically, this dude is telepathic. Yari comes into the room, and the Emperor tells her to place Scourge into custody until these matters have been settled. Scourge produces an excuse to be able to leave. The Emperor is like, you are a fool to talk to me that way, but I will reward you because of your courage. Then the Emperor lets Scourge see inside of his mind, and Scourge buckles like you know what. As they leave the throne room, Yari tells Scourge to stay out of the way of her guard, and he will not be harmed. Now this is where Drew leaves us, so you will have to tune into episode 24 to find out what happens next. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.